and he's like the amazing thing about this community um, is that people who in our community who are fortunate enough to be able to get the opportunities to go to school and graduate and get these jobs like they don't they don't move away mm. and leave maybe they come back and they stay and they make change right um, to make it better for other people that are living there so that like you know they won't have to go through what you went through type mm-hmm. of mentality so um yeah I was thinking about that a lot because yeah. <laughs> I think at the time I was like I wanted to like leave the states because I didn't want to be here I wanted to like go abroad and live abroad and you know work abroad mm-hmm. didn't really like how things were going here but then after that I was like well that's true if I just like leave my country like where I was born like life is still going on back there mm-hmm. and I was like kind of running off and doing my own thing so then I was like huh so then I thought about that I'm here. I'm here in the bay. Hello, hello! Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad Perspectives on Studying Abroad from Past and Present Students of Color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Amy as the guest. Amy is an educator. Uh, who works with young children, especially infants and toddlers. And I was able to make her acquaintance thanks to my friend Irene. I've said this on numerous occasions already, but um, Irene is a friend of mine, a friend of the show, who was the guest on episode four of this podcast and who is um, has been gracious enough to send some of her friends my way. And Amy is one of those people, so <laughs> thank you, Irene. <laughs> and um, so Amy, she studied child development in college and um, decided to study child development in South Korea, you know, in a different environment. And uh, things kind of got switched around, so her program ended up being about social welfare instead, uh, which was a little out of her wheelhouse at the time. but. Uh, she'd already made preparations to go and, and had been to Korea before and really enjoyed it. So she was like, you know what, let's just go and, and see what it's going to be. And um, it ended up being a really, really great um, and really informative experience for her. And then after she graduated, she uh, went with her alma mater to Cape Town, South Africa, where um, she and her fellow cohort of students uh, were volunteers for a summer at two different schools, two different um, child, early childhood learning centers. And so they basically assist the local teachers with whatever they needed, helped with the kids, helped teach the kids sometimes, and, and they kind of mutually helped each other grow as as educators. It's pretty cool. And, and that was a really, um, really powerful experience, not only because uh, it was more in line with Amy's field, but because she learned some lessons while she was there about how people value each other and their communities that she uh, that have stuck with her today. So, uh, yeah, Amy's a really nice person, and we had a really nice conversation about the things that she's done, and uh, I, I hope that you enjoy it. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Amy Hong. Thank you for agreeing to be a guest on this podcast. I really appreciate it. I've been really looking forward to, to talking with you. Um, why don't we start with you introducing yourself, if you don't mind? Sure. So I'm Amy. Um, let's see. I'm 24. I'm an educator. 
I work with kiddos uh, zero to five, but I focus with like infants and toddlers. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I'm an infant educator um, at my work and I graduated at SF State uh, where I studied child development. And then um, during that time, I went abroad to Korea for a semester, came back in school, did this job for about almost a year as an infant educator, left it. And then I went abroad again for a two-month program in Cape Town. And then now I'm here where I'm at now. <laughs> nice. nice. Had you always wanted to go into um, education or childhood development? Was that always a passion of yours? It. I didn't realize it was. Um, I was. I volunteered a lot when I was in high school, in like key club and then just like various school stuff. And then when I was in high school, I did a science camp. So I would like volunteer at a science camp for like one week and, you know, be a cab leader and all that stuff. Um, I did that throughout my years. And then I went to college um, and my friend was like, hey, like my place is hiring. We like work doing like um, building literacy. And I was like, okay, well, I need a job. And this also, this job also counts for um, uh, units. It was kind of like a stipend thing. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, well, whatever, I'll do it. I'll apply. Um, I worked with kids before. Maybe I'll get this job or maybe it'll be easy. So I get it. And then it was a year-long program with like a bunch of other students. And the group that I, my team that I had, they were super awesome. They were really fun. So they made going to work really cool and really fun. And then I got units for it. And then next thing I knew, I was like, oh, I had to pick a major. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I kind of was just, you know, taking classes, just to take classes and stuff. Yeah. And I looked back and I was like, wait, I actually have, like, uh, three or four classes that are related to child development already under my belt. And I was like, huh, who knew? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just um, apply because uh, it was impacted and I'll see if I get in. Um, and then if not for now, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And then I actually got into the program for child development. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was yeah, it all happened really fast. So it was, all, it was all around the same time that I just came back from a uh, vacation in Korea for fun, for a break with my friends. And I came back from my, my vacation and I was like, oh my gosh, Korea was so fun. Like, I really like it there. I want to go back. And then right after I came back from my vacation, I'd gotten accepted into the, my major. And I was like, oh, and I, was like, oh, I really want to study abroad. So then I looked up study abroad places and Korea was one of them. And I was like, this is perfect. Like I just came back and I really want to go back and now I can, you know, study abroad with my major. So then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll accept my major. So then I said yes to joining. And then, um, yeah. And then I just started from there. And then I graduated and I was like, oh my God, okay, I guess I'm working with kids. Um, but I mean, I, I love it. So, um, you know, you've gone to Korea for vacation and then you ended up doing this semester program yeah. Um, was that something that was through SF State or some other organization? Um, yeah, it was through um, SF State. SF State has, uh, I think there's two pathways. You can do one direct, like through SF State, and you can choose a semester or year-long program. Or you can do one where you go through, I think, CSUs. And so you, I guess, you kind of compete, from what I've heard, for like spots because there's limited availability for spots. Mm-hmm. And then those countries... Or it's mostly like Europe, 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 New Zealand, Australia, um, and then that one you you do it with like everyone throughout the California State Universities. So I heard that one is, and that one's only one year. You can't choose like semester or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard that program is a lot harder to go in. Um, and then um, yeah, I, I applied. The process took a while. Um, the application part was, it was a lot of paperwork. 
Yeah, it was through SF State. And then I also got a scholarship through, not through SF State, but um, they had we had advisors on campus that helped us with the um, scholarship section. But um, yeah, next thing I knew, I was, I was over there <laughs> in Korea. Now, was this program, was it the fact that it was in Korea that was the biggest draw for you or like, because yeah. it was focused in this field, like what was, why this particular program in, in Korea, um, why was that the one that you chose? There was actually, there was one more in Denmark that I was considering, um, but I can't remember why I didn't consider it more. I think I was really into Korea because I had just came back from studying abroad or uh, vacationing there. Mm -hmm. I really liked it. And so when I was looking more into this, the university, uh, the thing that kind of really sealed the deal was that major over there, they have a like a lab school. So like students in that field can work there or, or intern there during their school at their uh, at the child center that they have there. So I was like, oh my gosh, like if I go there, I wonder, because you know, some classes that you take um, in, in this field, we do observations or we do um, intern stuff throughout the, for, you know, the class. So I was like, oh, I wonder if the classes I'll take, if I'm able to, you know, go observe or, or work there, that'd be a really cool cultural experience. So, um, yeah, so then I applied and one of my child development professors, she actually studied, um, she got, well, she's Korean and she, she came here, so she studied uh, for university, not at that university, but another university um, called Seoul National. And that university in Korea is considered one is the top three. Mm -hmm. uh, and now she's a professor at my university. So I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. So I went and I talked to her about like the education system over there and child development over there. And she was um, saying it's a really interesting like lens, a really interesting way if I wanted to study abroad to immerse myself, like in, not immerse, but to be able to uh, see what education is like for uh, young kids in Korea. Mm -hmm. So it encouraged me to apply and I was like, okay, I'm sold. Um, <laughs> And in Korea, compared to the other universities, uh, that the other programs that I was able to study abroad to, the cost of living there was a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, and I, before, like, because the at the time I was applying, I was already a junior, and I knew that, like, time was kind of running out because I was starting to get into my major courses. And a lot of the courses I know for study abroad are, are like, you know, the first year or two, mm -hmm. or, like, the first year of um, child development courses. So because of that, I didn't plan, like, to study abroad, so I didn't have the money at the time, so otherwise I shouldn't be picking like, you know, Denmark or somewhere to study abroad if I had not even close to saving up money. Um, so I was like, I need it. I'm just gonna do Korea. And I was really going for it anyway, so I'm glad I got in. Now, when you mentioned it to me, oh, well, okay, first, do you, what was the name of the university that you were that you were at while you were in Korea? Uh, Chungang. So right before I got there, so I got my acceptance letter to study abroad around December and then about two weeks after I got accepted like right before winter break um, I had just paid for my health insurance and whatever you know to cover my costs when I'm over there and my school emailed me and they, they said that I actually for child development my major they weren't going to offer any English courses and oh, I said do you want to go and I was like um like I already like I'm so far in and I've already paid for so many things like health insurance and whatever. Right. I've like, I told my, my current job that I'm at the time I was working at a, a my, at San Francisco state's um, lab school. And so I, I already told them that I was going to be coming back next semester because I'm going to be abroad. And I already did all the things and I was like, well, I can't just say no, I can't just quit study abroad. So I said, of course, like I still want to go through the program, but like, what can I do? Because I need my units. And so they said, well, the closest major that you can, kind of do is social welfare 
And I said, well, I don't have any background in it. So yeah, sure, I'm down. So I did a Korean language. I did Korean sociology. Um, there's one more that I couldn't remember, but it was related to like US like um, culture. And, and then my last one was, it's like the study of like elderly. Um, Gerontology or something like yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I took that, that class too. Um, and it was like funny for me to take that class because it was like the complete opposite of what I'm studying. And so it was interesting when I was participating in class because I would have a perspective of like kids. Um, so that was really cool. Um, so I went anyway, but actually they ended up not studying child development when I was over there. But it was cool because I was able to, you know, apply what I do know about child development. I came back and then I came back as a senior and I was like, you know, applying for graduation and whatnot. And I was like, and then that was when my study abroad stuff like came back and I was like, oh my gosh, like I was filling out my transcript stuff to graduate. And I was like, oh man, I wonder if I'm able to graduate because I don't, these classes aren't really applicable. Mm-hmm. But I was talking about it with my um, director. She was saying, she was asking me about the courses I took. She was like, do you think it's valuable? You know, do you think it, have you applied it? And I was like, yes. Like when I was there, I really had to think differently because I was taking classes that aren't related to my major, but it was like similar. Mm-hmm. I was like telling her about it and she's like you know it sounds like you really had you had a really great time and she was saying how she was studying abroad in any way is really valuable because you learn more than just the academics that you're taking and i said yeah i totally agree and then she's like it's okay i'll sign you off for my your courses that you took and i was like oh my god so then i was able to yay relay them back to my major even though they weren't really related so that was i was really happy <laughs> and surprised yeah so yeah, yeah, that's good. That all worked out. So you went to Seoul in the spring semester, and then was it the following year or two years later during the summer you went to South Africa? Two years later. Two years later. Yeah. Gotcha. I, didn't, I already graduated, and then I came back. Okay. Um, yeah, I was wondering about the one in Seoul because I'm curious about what types of things you were learning while you were there in regards to social welfare. Like, is that are there any like particularities to Seoul, or I guess? South Korea at large that informed what you were what you were studying while you were there. Yeah, most of my so I only took two classes related related to social welfare when I was there. The, um, the one about the elderly that I can never pronounce that one. We I kind of gave me a, a bit of a lens into like what it is like for elderly people in Korea, like their like the policies that are in place to protect. There was one class that was it was interesting because that class that I took was. So the professor, so in Korea, like all, most of my courses, like the professor, it was taught in English. Um, but in my, the ones that I took in my major, it was um, like native, like Korean students. And then like me, like a few other international students as well. And the class was taught all in English. Our textbooks were in English. Um, but for the, and our, for the most part, our professor would speak in English too. Um, occasionally he would like switch to Korean to like translate or, you know, if it was like, stuff that couldn't really get across. Um, but there was uh, one class where our professor, most of his lectures were like, instead of like being, you know, we're used to like lectures, or like PowerPoints and things like that. This class was like on a Word doc and it was like notes and he would just like read through them and like scroll. And I was like, wait, like, I was like, why am I here? Like I can just, you know, send this to me and I'll like read it and whatever. But I mean, for me, it's easy because like it's in English and I already, you know, it's not like I have to go through an, another layer of like translating this back to like my native language. Um, and the class was uh, looking at like kind of American, um, uh, 
like life in America. So we talked about like um, racism. We talked about like homosexuality was one of them. I think we talked about economy. So every, there was like a topic. And then at the beginning of the semester, our professor like made us get into groups and we, he like gave us topics. We had to pick topics and then we had to study on that topic and like read about the chapter and whatever. And then we had to give like a 30 minute presentation on the, the topic that we were doing. So then every, so every class, one group would present for like half an hour. And then the rest of the class, he would like continue on and talk about that topic with his notes. And so then when that first started, we had like the first group, which was actually our group, we had uh, three weeks to prepare. Um, and then that was when he would start. And then the first three weeks before, while we were preparing, he was out of the camera what he was doing. But he was like, you know, probably most likely giving us like a broad overview of the class and, you know, touching base here and there and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then the, it was interesting because we had to do group projects. So I was um, in a group of three or four Korean girls. And um, it was interesting because the way that it, they like, so we, so we had the presentation, it was a 30 minute presentation and I met up with them uh, about four or five times outside of class. But every time we met, we would meet for like three or four hours. Mm. And I was sitting there like, oh my gosh, like this is so long. like. If they're putting this much work in just this one class, like how much time are they spending on every every other class? You know, <laughs> oh my goodness, like that's crazy. Um, and I'm just like hanging out and you know doing my thing. And then um, so yeah, we we met like a one time we met for like six hours one day. We were just going over the presentation like over and over and over so that we would they would remember it verbatim. Um, which I could see because like English isn't their main like there isn't their you know a home language so. If they're doing a presentation, they want to just like memorize it like word for word. Whereas like me, I don't have to memorize it because I can just wing it because I already you know <laughs> have enough knowledge on it. Right, right. It was interesting because the, the course was like the course was about um, U.S. perspective, so it was like interesting to see their perspectives on like the U.S. in terms of like one of the topics we talked about was like homosexuality. That was a really controversial class, I remember. And then like racism too. We, we talked about that with my group. And so it's interesting to see like their their thoughts on it or their views on or their um, not their views but their how they see it I guess in Korea because it's like it's kind of because when I was there I felt like I was like looking in a bubble because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about what was going on back home at the time when I was in Korea like I was kind of like in my own space like with my my friends abroad and the people that I know like all of my friends that I had back home in the states I, I actually I lost contact with them for a little bit because of the time difference was a huge factor. And like, just, I don't know, I just felt like I was in a bubble at one point. And so it was that class like reminded me like, oh, I have like, there's stuff going on back home right now and that I'm not even aware of, like the news and everything that was going on. Like I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Remember at the time there was, um, it was 2015, so what was it? There was something that was going on that was like really huge and I can't remember it at the moment. Baltimore? Was it Baltimore? Oh, are you talking about like, like- Police brutality and protests yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah, it was Baltimore. It was Baltimore. Yeah, it was in Baltimore. So that was going on at the time when I was there, and then I was like, I had no, I didn't even know that was going on. Mm-hmm. And then like, like a month or two in, I was like on my Facebook, and I had stopped using Facebook for a while. And I was like, wait, what? Like what? Like I had no idea what was going on. And I was like, oh man. So yeah. Anyway, it was interesting yeah. to to be there and to like, yeah, like to have my life there in Korea, but then like reminding myself like, oh, like. You know, in a few months, I'm going to go back home and everything is, life's still going, you know, life's still moving on back home in the States. Right. And I'm kind of disconnected from it. 
when you said it was interesting seeing how like your Korean classmates how they thought about certain like topics was their understanding like surprisingly more nuanced than you thought or was it did it tend to be like more conservative or I don't know what what did you observe in your classmates when talking about those issues I think it was like a mix there were so there's a few international students um and then there were a few Korean students who it's it seemed like they like studied like in like they studied abroad and then they came back mm-hmm. now they university um like they, like I know a lot of Korean students at my university they studied in uh, Europe and then they came back or they went to the states for a few years and came back like to study mm-hmm. English. um so then some were really some were pretty open minded but I think for the most part it leaned towards being conservative Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, one of the groups, and I think it was the group that did the topic on homosexuality. I think one of the things that they did was they went around and they they made like a little video where they went around and like had a board, like stickers, and then you would like they would ask people like their thoughts on it. There were various questions, and then the people, uh, random people, would, like get the sticker and like you know put it onto their answer, um, and then they collected information that way. Um, and I remember a lot of the comments were leaning, like a lot of the comments were leaning towards like, you know, quite conservative. And then we like, we watched this clip of this one Korean drama, two side characters, and they had a kiss scene. And then that would cause a lot of controversy in Korea in general. Um, and mm-hmm. so then they had, they had shown that clip in the class. And then they were like, asking us like what our reaction was or what they felt. And it was interesting because I could feel, I could hear, you know, my classmates like being uncomfortable and like, um, and then, and some people voice their opinions. Um, so it's interesting to see. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting class. Yeah. And uh, you, you said you had previously been to Korea on vacation. Was that in Seoul, or was that in a different part of South Korea? Um, that one at the time was in Seoul, and I studied in Seoul as, as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, I kind of knew what, or I like the transportation system, like wasn't unfamiliar to me which was lucky because um you know going with your suitcases and stuff because i didn't want to pay for the expensive taxi and stuff (laughs) i'm gonna drag my suitcases on the on the subway yeah i know where i'm going i didn't know where i was going i actually ended up getting lost but (laughs) um there was a really nice uh uh korean student who was going who also goes to the university that i was trying to get to because i was on dorms Mm -hmm. and i I arrived with my friend who I met before, right before I left, I met this girl who was um, in the East Bay about like an hour away from me. And she was like, oh, I'm gonna be sitting in Korea too. And I was like, oh my God, let's go buy a ticket together because we don't know anyone. Let's go together. So we flew there and then she was like, maybe we should get a taxi. And I was like, no, no, like I know my way around. Let's just take the subway. <laughs> so we're taking our two huge suitcases. they are on the subway and then we're trying to transfer stations. And I'm like, you know, walking down the stairs and I like drop my suitcase and it's like 9 p.m. at night. So there's like, there's people, but there's not that many people. It's like quiet, you know? My suitcase like falls down the stairs and it's like super loud. And I was like, oh my God. And then like this crazy guy, like, you know, cause the platform's kind of hidden. Yeah. He, like leans over and you see his head and he's like looking and he sees like his, my suitcase like right in front of him. And he sees like me at the top of the stairs and he's like, oh. And I like, run down, like, I'm so sorry. He's like, it's okay. And then um, he's like, uh, uh, are, you a, are you an international student? And I said, yeah, I'm trying to get to this university. 
Um, he's like, I have to transfer here. And he's like, oh, actually, like that's where I'm going. I, I'm, I'm a student there too. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, let me take you. But I was like nervous because I was like, I don't want people touching my stuff, you know, because <laughs> my first time abroad and like it's my suitcase and like what if he takes it or something? I don't know. Um, so he like helped me with my suitcases and he he was actually really sweet. He like got us to the right station because we're at the wrong station. Mm-hmm. And then um, he took us up. He was like, you guys, you guys can take this, this bus right here. I'll take you guys to the bus stop. And he was like, um, he's like, I'll, I'll let the bus driver know like where to drop you off. Um, and um, all this stuff. Oh my, God, oh my God, it's like so nice. And then he's like, do you guys have bus money? Do you guys have change? And we're like, no. He's like, it's okay. I'll pay for you guys. And I was like, wait, like that's so nice. Like you don't have to. Wow. Um, so he, yeah, he ended up like using his, because the bus pass, you just like, you know, you beep it for how many times you want to use it. Mm-hmm. So for both of us. And then he told the bus driver, like drop these girls off over here. And then da, da, da. It was really nice. Never got his name, but yeah, made it, made it to my dorm with my suitcases and all that stuff. That's really so nice. nice. You had someone to help you. Wait, he went to the same university. Was it Chungung? Is that what you said? Yeah. You never ran into him or saw him again? No, I mean, it's such a big campus too. And um, I think he had just graduated. I can't remember. What, I think he had just graduated. Like, I think he was going back to do stuff like or that or he commutes to school, I would assume. I don't okay. think a lot of students live on campus. Um, a lot of them commute because I heard it's really, really hard to get into the dorms. Um, yeah. And so international students are really lucky because we're kind of guaranteed a spot. But if yeah. you're a student and you want to live in the dorms, I heard that um, you have to have like a 4.0 GPA type of thing. Like you have, it's it's really competitive because like it's so convenient, right, to be at the dorms because you're like schools right there, you know? Yeah. Oh, plus you're living in Seoul too. Yeah. Yeah, and so you can like study all you want and come back, and it's like right there. You know, you don't have to commute or anything. You don't have to waste time. So I heard it's like super hard, and I was like, oh, yeah. dang. <laughs> so, so you were in like international student dorms is there like a specific dorm just for international students it was mostly international so it was um there's a one of my friends uh, actually her roommate was korean um uh yeah but it was mostly mostly international there's okay. a few koreans though yeah there was a there's a few korean girls on our floor because um one i remember one day we had like a cockroach or something like on our in our you know hallway <laughs> Yeah. screaming and then like the Korean students that like, came out and they're like well, what is going on and they were like screaming and then it was nice it was a co- collective everyone banding together to try to get rid of this you know to get this cockroach out of our room it was funny yeah but yeah it was <laughs> mostly international students okay and did you know anyone besides the girl that you traveled with did you know anyone no I met everyone like the first week that we got there we there was like a Facebook group for everyone you know and um okay. I, and we were all like taking similar classes together. There was like, you know, a few GE classes that people would take. And so we were all in those classes together or like the Korean language class. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was nice. We, um, yeah, we, we, there was a lot of opportunities for us to meet people. Um, so I found like my group of friends really quick. Um, and I still like, we talk like every day. Like they're, those friends are like some of my best friends now. So it's, um, it's nice. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. That's so nice. We each other now. Like, I have one friend in Paris. Um, we became, it was funny, we became really close. Like, the last month we were in uh, Korea. Mm-hmm. We didn't really know each other. I was actually kind of intimidated by her because she was the only French girl in the group with, like, all of her friends. Because all of her friends were, like, uh, guys. So mm-hmm. there was, like, one of them. And then she was, like, the only girl in that group. So I was, like, a bit intimidated by her. And so I, I didn't talk to her. 
Um, but I talked to like all of her friends and stuff. And then um, like towards the end, we like hung out and I was like, oh my God, this girl's like the best person ever. Like I was totally missing out. Um, <laughs> and so, and then I remember that, 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 that day that I realized like, oh, this girl's like really cool. And I don't know why I'm scared of her. We ended up spending like that whole week, like hanging out like all the time. And then, um, and then like now we, we try to meet up somewhere. Like we try to travel together. So we pick country and then we go there and we, we hang out and we vacation there. So okay. Yeah. I mean, that's nice. Like a like a world traveling friendship, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. Oh, with your uh with your program, was there like a final like project that you had to do as part like to like signify you completing that program or was it just like an exam or how did that end like academically? Um, how did that program end? So in Korea, we actually didn't have a lot of homework. It was mostly just like reading this chapter, studying this mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh majority of our grades are based on like essays or um like that group project that i did was like a huge part of my grade mm-hmm. um uh, yeah mostly essays or presentations or um we had like a stipend um so if we if we uh worked I think it was like 20 hours or 12 hours a week we would get like a monthly stipend mm-hmm. through and so um most of my friends were working um, at the English Lounge, so we had, in, in our school library we had like this little space where like create or any student really could come in and like and do like English conversations. Mm-hmm. Us, so it was mostly the U.S. students and um, the Canadian students. So the U.S. students and Canadian students had this stipend thing that we could qualify for, um, and so um, yeah. So most of my friends did that for the whole time. I did. I did. Um, I got placed in like this uh, Korean language school that our university offered for like international students for like the summer, mm-hmm. like an intensive Korean language program. And so I worked in that office and I was helping with like emails and um, proofreading textbooks or whatever, workbooks. And then I did that for like 10 hours and then I did two hours with the English language with my other friends. And we got a stipend every month. Oh, but your question was like end of the year stuff. No, we didn't really have to do much other than like exams and stuff. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, so I would just do my homework when I was at work because I didn't have anything to do at work, so. Yeah. Is that common for like students who go and like study in Korea? Is it common for them to be working as well? Or is that just like the particular like school you went through and the stipend that they had available? That's just how things ended up working for you. I think it was my school because I know that... um, so there was actually two universities that you can go to through. Mine was through SS, SS State offered um, Chungong, mm-hmm. and CSU's offered um, Yonsei. And I know that Yonsei doesn't, I don't think they do that stipend. Um, so I was more inclined to, to go to Chungong. Okay. Um, because of that stipend and because of my major, they they were supposed to offer it, but then they <laughs> last minute took it out. <laughs> um, but yeah yeah but you still feel like or do you still feel like what you learned was was useful to you even though the program kind of changed after you'd already like gotten yourself ready to go yeah i mean like academically i still learned a lot like i mean i learned korean which is super cool like i think my korean got like pretty good when i was there and then i left and i'm like really bad at it (laughs) but um i think i honestly think i learned more like about like personally i grew more than like i did academically Mm. Um, but I think, like, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. You know, I think it was so valuable, like, 
the experiences that I made, the friends that I've made, um, it's it was worth it. If in the long run, I had to pay more, you know, because of tuition and whatever. Um, I think it would still be worth it, like me studying abroad in Korea. Yeah. Yeah. The friends, the friends like really made it. <laughs> yeah, like we're, we're really close and we still keep in touch. Off the top of your head, can you think of like in what ways do you feel like you grew the most while you were there? Besides your Korean language skills, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, that was my first time uh, traveling uh, by myself, like without family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wasn't like necessarily alone because I had like that one friend that I knew that I met online, mm-hmm. uh, and we, we met like the, the we we met like at the airport. Um, so I kind of had her, but like technically, I like I didn't really know anyone. You know, like they weren't like my friend friend. So um, it was uncomfortable at first because I. Like, you know, making, like, when you're surrounded by everyone new um, and, like, you know, making small talk and, like, trying to get to know each other. It's, like, really weird. Mm-hmm. You kind of do the same things over and over. Um, but, like, the first few days was a bit weird. Um, but, like, going through, but I think going through the experience together for everyone, it was, it was new for everyone, too. So, like, we all kind of related to each other. We're, like, we're here by ourselves. And, like, for the most part, it was the first time that we traveled by ourselves. We're like in a whole new country because um, all of my friends are from like either from the states or Canada or like Europe. Mm-hmm. So going to Asian countries are like completely different than what we're used to, um, and the language barrier too. None of us knew Korean before we came here, so um, I think that kind of helped us to like bond and get to know each other more. Um, but yeah, I think definitely like like it really pushed me to be out of my comfort zone, which is something I think. I'm still trying to work on, but like when I was in Korea, like, like I hate, like, you know, like when you're calling the doctors and like, talk, you know, like talking to strangers, like, <laughs> I hate, like I hate having to like go up and ask people, like, I, you know, ask a, a sales clerk, like a question, like I hate doing that. Mm. Um, but like I had to, cause if I don't, I'm like totally going to get lost, you know, like asking mm-hmm. people for directions. I hate doing that. Like even here, but like in Korea, like I had to, and like not only did, did I have to do like not only is it awkward like there's a language barrier too and so um that was tough but I think being in Korea like really pushed me to get out of my comfort zone and to not be afraid to do things by myself um like you know eating dinner by myself or like going out by myself like I I never do that back here I never used to do that back here but when I was in Korea I did that more often mm. um like throughout the day like in between classes when I have a gap like I'm lucky enough to be in Korea and like to get this experience I'm not gonna just hole up in my room and you know you know not get to experience it <laughs> okay no like if i'm hungry i'm gonna go out i'm gonna you know go out to a restaurant i'm gonna go sit down and eat by myself yeah um, and it was weird because like yeah it was weird being like an international student by yourself like sitting in a restaurant and like literally everybody has someone by with them um but i think it made me appreciate being with myself more and being in a new country um so yeah that i think was the biggest thing I think that I grew up and like now and ever since then I've traveled a lot more um and I travel by myself occasionally it's I've learned it's not really my style but I'm comfortable doing it if I can't find any friends to go travel with me mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think I grew up a lot in that aspect just yeah. taking more risks yeah, yeah taking more risks that's important too so I had another career question uh before I ask you about the your South Africa experience but you had gone um, previously on vacation, as you mentioned, and then you went again uh, for study abroad, um, both times in Seoul. Uh, so I'm just curious about what uh, what about Seoul 
you like the most? You know, what about like, for instance, when you are on vacation, what about it appealed to you so much that you thought you wanted to go to uh, to Seoul again? I don't know. There's like so well. Well, I want. I like that it's a city. I'm I'm like a city person. I think I love the city. Although I do appreciate like you know suburbs and things like that. But um, yeah. So I think the fact that everything was so convenient, you were able to get like anywhere you want like really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, or something that like the the transportation there is like amazing. Um, like so, transportation there. So like every time the sub the the train comes to your station, there's like a little bell, and it's like it's a certain tone. It's like ding, 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 ding. I can't remember at the moment. Ding, ding, ding. And then the in Korean they would say like you know oh like so and so station has arrived, and then the doors are open. And like even now like so like occasionally I'll watch Korean dramas and like when I hear it, when I hear that tone like I feel happy inside because it reminds oh. me of Korea. Yeah. I think because I associated it like with being in Korea so like every time I hear like that certain bell and like I sound like oh the station has arrived like when I watch my Korean dramas I'm like oh like it reminds me of when I was studying abroad you know it just reminds me of good times mm -hmm. um but yeah I think like the subway system I loved it there um everything was really clean um I liked I mean cost of living there is like buying things at least like food and, and clothes and I like the style of it there too so that was fun at the time when, when I was on vacation there I, re I was really into Korean music um, and I still am like, here and there. Um, so that was also another reason why I, I wanted to go there in the first place. Um, and then what else? Oh, and I love like the buildings and the coffee shops. There's like a lot of cafes and stuff there. It's like a huge thing. Cafe culture is a, a thing there. Yeah. And I love coffee. So um, it's really interesting to see the types of coffee shops that they have because they have like themed ones to like cats, a cat one, a dog one. When I was on vacation, we went to a lamb cafe. So there was like a sheep cafe. <laughs> it's just really, it's just like so different, I think, compared to here in California. So mm -hmm. um, that was nice. And I, and I, I just, yeah, I love the transportation system because I hate driving. So um, <laughs> and here, I feel like you have to drive everywhere, you know, to get to where you want to be. Yeah. And in Korea, you can just walk or take the subway. So perfect. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool. So you would. Uh, I'm assuming you would definitely go back to Seoul again if given the chance. Yeah, actually, my my sis, my older sister, my younger sister, they're going back this summer, but I can't go because I work. So, um, yeah, I originally, if I hadn't, um, if I wasn't where I am now, I was gonna actually uh, teach English in Korea, but then, um, but then the Cape Town opportunity came up, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna do that, and then stuff happened, and here I am. So. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would go back to Korea to study English or to teach English anymore because I think in my field, that's not where I want to, like, I don't want to be an English teacher. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I'd want to, like, go abroad and spend a year to do that and, like, have it not really be super related to my field, like, related to my career path right. in a long run. Um, but it's something I definitely thought about and I, like, started applying for it, actually, and I stopped. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, hopefully you do get to go back uh, at some point. You know. Yeah. Actually, next year is my five year, five year anniversary of studying abroad in Korea. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to plan like a trip with like all of my abroad friends, and we can all go back to Korea, and like you know, do all the things that we did when we were there. Mm -hmm. We'll see. We'll see if anyone would like to go back. <laughs> a lot of sweet if y'all can arrange it. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, even if not, I'm sure it'll still be special for you whenever you yeah. get to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Okay. And so when you went to South Africa, that was, you were in Cape Town the whole time? Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you had already graduated and then you ended up going on this honors program to, yeah. to Cape Town. Was this yeah. like, um, I guess I'm wondering how you were able to, to, uh, to be involved with it if mm -hmm. you had already graduated. Yeah. Um, I graduated 2016 mm -hmm. and then, um, in the summer and then I, uh, I yeah, had summer break and then I, I, I got a job, um, around August and I worked as an infant educator for about nine, nine or 10 months, but about three or four months into me working, I was checking, I was just checking my school email just to check it. And then I had gotten an email about the honors program and I've known about it since, you know, since I was in school, mm -hmm. but it didn't work out because of like, it was expensive and I didn't have the time. And so I was like, Oh, well, I wonder if I can still do it. Um, so on the application itself, they said that you can, you're, you're still able to apply if you like a recent graduate. And so I was like, well, I graduated like a few months ago, maybe I can still apply. So I emailed them, asked them if it was okay. And they said, yes. Mm. So I, um, at the time I had only just graduated like four, four or five months prior. So I applied for the program through, SF state and I had to do like an essay and like questionnaire stuff. And then we had like an interview where I went back to back on campus and we had an interview of a group interview. And then I said, oh, great, we'll let you know. And then I found out that I got in, I think um, in November, I think I got in, in November, I meant November, so December. And then I had to actually sign up for um, a class um, so then I just, yeah, I just locked my old credentials and stuff. I just went back on. I, I signed up for like a, a the honors class and then I took a, um, a semester long class, uh, to prepare us for the trip. We met like once a month and then you would like, you know, do stuff for it, um, to prepare. And then I left and then I, and then I was still working and then I put in my two weeks at work and then I went on my trip, May, 2017, it's like a year after I graduated, I left. But the whole process took like a, kind of a year or right. nine months or so. But yeah, I wonder. I wonder if I was, I would have still been able to go on if it had been like a whole year later, and then I applied. I think because I recent, I I only had graduated like four, you know, that summer. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to do it. Yeah, it was nice. It worked yeah. out. Yeah, and you said that was more in line with your field. So, like, what types of wow. were you? What types of things were you doing while you were in South Africa? Was it like? Again, like with um, like when you were in Seoul, was it mostly coursework? Or yeah. Were there, like, was there field work as well? Um, when I was in Korea, we it was just like coursework. Like we were just going to class and you know going. That's it. Just going to class and doing our thing. Mm -hmm. But here, um, when I was in Cape Town, that one was so it was a like a full time volunteer thing, um, and we were there for two months. And our day to day life would be Monday Monday to Thursday. We would go inside we would we had two uh schools that we got so i had um yeah two schools and we would alternate so then i would go to one school monday wednesday and then another school tuesday thursday mm. and we would go inside um and work uh with the with the teacher um from about like 8 to 2 p.m was our day mm -hmm. and then um and then at two one of the teachers would like walk us back to um, where, so we partnered, SF State partnered with a nonprofit called True North um, and True North basically helps school, well, 
child care programs, early childhood uh, programs in the townships of, uh, there's a township called uh, Viagron, and um, basically helping them to get licensed through the government so that they can receive uh, money or education money through the government. So part of them is helping them get licensed. Another part is also just to build best practices and uh, to teach education and workshops and things like that. We have a cohort of students from SF State that come every year, every summer. And, and when I went, I think it was our fourth year going. Um, and there's a girl in the program who she's been in the program since the beginning. Like she, she's went every four years. And at, when I went at the time, she was like, kind of leading the program. So she was like the leader. She would like facilitate workshops and, you know, she was in charge of all the stuff because she's been there so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would do that. But at my, at the schools, the two schools that I was at, so I was at one school, one school that I was at, they've, they've been working with True North uh, for a long time and their school in the township has, they've been a school for about 10 years. So they're like, you know, they, they, they have their feet, you know, firmly on the ground, like they know what they're doing. At this point, they're, they've been licensed, but now they're just building best practices and building teacher education and things like that. And they're working on other things. And then, um, so they, like when we came, they, they already knew like what, what we can do, how we can help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that school, one of the teachers, uh, like a week before we came, she had broken her arm. So she, and she worked with young young toddlers, two-year-olds, so she mm-hmm. couldn't work anymore. So then they asked if we could step in and during the days that we were there, if we could teach those kids. And we said, sure. And so when I was there for those days, I would be working with, a teacher there and um, just giving her a lot of like classroom management strategies or best practices um, or support with like ratio and stuff because ratio over there is like nothing like here like a teacher would have like 20 kids to herself to her class Hmm. and like two-year-olds or three-year-olds and then here in the states ratios are like for a two-year-old it's one to eight and for three-year-olds i think it's one to twelve so it's, and then in Cape Town, one to twenty. So, but the but the age range was like huge. Like one of the classes that I was at, they had zero kids, like infants, to like three, all in one class. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, like how, how do you guys manage this? Like, you know, back in the states, we have like an infant class and a two one two year class and a three year class, you know, right? Age, and then there's like, so it was really interesting to see how how they worked with what they had and um yeah it was really cool and like to see their strategies and to see how they did things um definitely learned a lot of that and like learned a lot about culture too yeah so then we did that so then that was monday to monday to thursday from eight to two and then from like two to three we would go back to our the nonprofit, and then we would like debrief and talk and you know recap and reflect and whatnot and then on fridays we would have like a excursion where we would like learn more about like Cape Town and South Africa as a whole. So you would like go to like museums or go to like Mandela Island and or Robin Island. Out of the things you learned about South Africa while you were there, what kind of sticks with you the most? Community was like something that I, yeah, like I totally remember like the sense of community, the sense of love that everyone has for each other. It's, I guess it's, I mean, it's so different than the States. Like over there, it's all about community. Like, you know how when they say like, what's that saying where it takes, oh, it takes a village, right? Mm-hmm. child and over there it's it's so true um because like the moment so one one of the schools i worked at actually both schools but every time we saw every time we walked in we would go around and hug all the teachers 
Um, and it was just like so sweet because we like I don't do that. Like I don't do that with my co-teachers here. You know, we don't like walk in and like, oh my god, how are you? And <laughs> hug. And, you know, and over there, like it was just it was just really nice. Like you could t- tell that everyone was appreciated for their work. Everyone was valued for their work, and their work doesn't go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. The importance of um, giving feedback to your your peers, like people that you work with, mm-hmm. because often in the field we're always giving positive reinforcement or like we always mention like the, the things that we see kids doing um, as a way to reinforce their behavior um, and like all the little things we're always like you know pointing it out like oh I, I like how so-and-so sitting at this table or I like um, I see that you know you you were working so hard on like building those blocks or you know, whatever um, but we never do that with each other mm-hmm. um, and so I think when I was there I was more aware of like the fact that I of giving positive feedback to my peers. Or like just like one thing that I really liked. So I started doing that a lot more often when I was there. And then now that I'm back here, I think um, it's, I can see a difference because even even with me, like when people give me positive feedback too, I know that, you know, I'm more, like, you know, it keeps me going. You know, like it makes me more like, makes me feel good. It makes me want to keep doing it. And then it reminds me like, oh, like I'm, all this work that I'm doing, like people actually see what I'm doing. Yeah, I feel valued for my work and it's important, right? Yeah, yeah. In your job. So um, that was one thing I think that really stuck out to me was that. Yeah. That's really interesting um, that you you brought that up. Yeah. We were um, touring, we were visiting another township nearby Cape Town. And I think it was, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like the oldest township or, I don't remember what the thing was, but it was like significant. Um, Mm -hmm. We were given a tour. The the township's called Linga, from what I remember. And so, the guy that was giving us the tour, he is from that township too. Like he grew up and he grew up there. And then he, uh, we went inside one of the members of their houses. Um, and it was just interesting. Like, well, yeah, because it's so different than how we live. Because they were living in, what do you call it? It, remind, it reminded me of like shipping containers. It was similar to that. So we visited that and then we walked around and then we... We got to these houses and he was saying, you know, this this is also a part of Linga too. He was like, these are people that live in these houses. They're they're now doctors and like lawyers, um, but they grew up in this community too. And he's like, the amazing thing about this community um, is that people who in our community who are fortunate enough to be able to get the opportunities to go to school and graduate and get these jobs, like they don't they don't move away. Mm. and leave when they come back and they stay and that it serves as a reminder and gives us other people hope that they're able to get like they're able to get there too and so i thought it was really um powerful i guess like you know i feel like sometimes here people always want to like move out of where they are you know and leave and never come back yeah (laughs) because of like whatever it is that is happening there um but i i like i like the fact that you know that they stay and they and they make change, right? Um, to make it better for other people that are living there so that like, you know, they won't have to go through what you went through type mm-hmm. of mentality. So um, yeah, I was thinking about that a lot. Because yeah. <laughs> I think at the time I was like, I wanted to like leave the States because I didn't want to be here. I wanted to like go abroad and live abroad and, you know, work abroad. Mm-hmm. Didn't really like how things were going here. But then after that, I was like, well, that's true. If I just like leave my country, like where I was born, like, Life is still going on back there, mm-hmm. and I'm like, kind of running off and doing my own thing. So then I was like, "Huh." So then I thought about that, and so now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here back in the bay. 
Um, but yeah, it was just, yeah, the sense of community was something that I really, um, really appreciated. And I think it stuck out a lot because at my old job, I wasn't, I didn't feel valued for the work that I was doing. And so going from that to like Cape Town and like constantly getting like feedback for like the things that I, my work that I was doing. And then when I left and I came back, um, the job that I'm at now, I, I like definitely like feel valued for like, like people see my work. Oh, well, that's really good. That's good. Um, since you were going there to like assist or um, like assist local teachers, I guess I'm wondering if there's any significant differences you noticed in the approach of um, in South Africa in regard to like childhood education um, mm-hmm. versus what tends to be done here. Is there anything that stuck out to you? Um, there was a moment where uh, we were, um, it was at the school where the teacher had, had broken her arm. Mm-hmm. So uh, my friend and I were uh, working in the classroom um, and the kids, uh, they have like, kind of, they have AM snack and PM snack served by the school. So we have, they would have a kitchen and they would have a cook. And so the kids were eating their morning snack. Um, it was like porridge, I think. And um, normally what would happen is the teachers, most of the kids could feed themselves-ish. And then some of the kids were like on the younger end, like maybe like a year or like 15 months old. Mm-hmm. Um, and the teachers would just feed them. And uh, it'd be really quick. Like they just feed next, 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 you know, just, just to get through the process. Um, but at least where, uh, at least at the school set. I work at and my friend and like an our cohort um it's all about like child initiated and giving the kids like letting them letting them have their autonomy right um and there's never a rush to get through um a day mm. um so like so then when we were there we were like oh like we just gave the both the kids and they were feeding themselves and we would like you know just talk to them like oh you know you, this is what you're eating and we would like you know just like talk to them um, and then we just like sit back and hang out with them and as the kids pet themselves. And then uh, our director came to check up on us and she saw that they were the kids just eating. And then later at the end of the day, she she pulled us aside and she was like, she said, you know, when I came to check on you guys and I saw that the kids are feeding themselves, she told us like, she's like, I, I almost cried. And we we're like, what, why? Because <laughs> that's what we're used to doing, like letting the kids do it themselves. She was like, and she was like, when I was staying there and I was watching you guys, you guys were just so relaxed and everyone was just taking their time. Like the kids were just sitting there eating their food. And she's like, you know, I never really realized how rushed it feels like we do things. Like, you know, we just, we feed them just to feed them. Um, just so we can get onto the next thing, you know, the next curriculum thing. And then um, she's like, I never really realized how, what a learning opportunity it is for kids to feed themselves. Um like the, what you can learn through, you know, having the kids feed themselves. So when she pulled us aside and told us that we're like, oh, like, well, it's, like we never, we never thought about it that way either, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it makes sense because the ratio, like, for it makes sense the way why they have to use that sometimes because there's only one teacher and there's like ten kids and they're like under, like you know, slightly over one. It's, that's it's so hard to manage. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, it was it was cool. And so she was like, so, you know, so then she was talking about like, how can she make find ways to support her teachers to be able to slow down and um, and care for the kids, so, like getting in terms of like the support that she needs because 
of course, every she was saying like you know if all the teachers would love to do that, but it's not uh, realistic with the numbers of kids that they have. So um, we're trying to think of ways that we can ways that we can or things that we can do to help support that. Mm-hmm. And we're we're not here in the summer, you know, because we're only here for two months. Um, but strategies that we can give them so that they can do it when we're not here and things like that. Or uh, one thing that we had worked on with that school was um, we broke down their flow of the day and we were talking about like why it's good to slow down and what you can learn from slowing down. Mm. And so we had written that up and we had given it to them and um, like as a little cheat sheet type of thing. And that was, um, I think, really helpful for, for the educators there too. Um, but yeah. And then one thing that I was amazed at was um, how, because of the high ratios, like how well they're able to have, I guess, command of the kids, um, for lack of a better word. For example, nap time. Nap time was the thing that surprised me. So at at my second school, it was time to sleep. The kids got their mats, they got their blankets, Mm -hmm. and they laid down and the teacher, like, you know, put their blankets on, said goodnight, you know, have a nap. And then... She put the blankets down and then that was it. And she just like walked off and she just, she sat on a chair. And I was like, I sat there and I looked at her and I was like, like that's that's it? Like that's that's all you have to do? And then she's like, yeah, you just go to sleep. And I was like, there's like 20 kids in this classroom. like, <laughs> And then I have like eight kids and there's like three, two or three of us. And it takes like, we have to like, you know, pat them and like da 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 and be next to them. And I mean, it's, 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 there's pros and cons, right? Like with that, building the relationship that you have with the child, building intimacy with the kid, helping them go to sleep, you know, it's a really intimate process. Um, but also having like the children be able to do it themselves, like having the independence at the age that they're at is can also be a, you know, a good thing too, um, especially with the numbers that they have. That's funny. I remember when I was little, like they would put us on like cots or whatever. And we'd have blankets, but then they'd have to like, like you said, some 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 kids might need a little more like soothing before they yeah. can fall asleep, or they play music, yeah. um, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> to think that she all she had to do was like lay them down and put blankets over them, and they just went to sleep. I would be I would be really astounded as well, especially yeah. with all those kids that were in there together, like you said. Yeah. <laughs> I, I meant to ask you this at the beginning and it's with my mind, but like, when was it that you started traveling internationally? Do you remember how old you were? Um, or was that soul trip the first time that you went? That was the first time I went by myself. I mean, I've, I've been with my family to Vietnam when I was like super young mm-hmm. elementary school. Um, and then I go to, I mean, does Canada count as international? It's like right there. It's like the same I thing. Mean- but um, I went to Canada every <laughs> Two years, because um, uh-huh. my dad's side of the family uh, li- lives there. So I go to Canada every two years or so. But Korea was the first time I went. Um, Korea was the first time I went by myself for a long period of time. Well, okay. both, both by myself and also for a long period of time. Okay. So I've never done. So, um, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And I, I was wondering, because you mentioned to me uh when we were messaging back and forth that you are like a first generation mm-hmm. Vietnamese American, I'm wondering if that is, influences you at all in terms of like your perspective on traveling or your approach to traveling. Um, I don't know. No one in my family has studied abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like my cousins, like, well, and my cousins, my, my, me and my, or my older sister and I are the, are the oldest cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was the first one to study abroad. So um, I think at first my family didn't get it. So actually my dad was like, told me, he's like, why would you want to study in Korea when you are studying here? Like, in California? <laughs> it's why would you want to leave the school system? It's like the best one. And I was like, well, you know, like not like we, like, I don't know. I don't love the best schools. So I was like, um, it's good to learn different perspectives, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was telling about that and then they're okay, fine. So then they were, my dad was like on board. Um, and I was like, it's not going to cost anything. Cause like I got my scholarship and like I cost of living in Korea is a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I pay San Francisco state tuition. So it's not like anything really changes. Um, and actually it's actually cheaper for me to be in Korea than it was for me to be here, like studying in SF state. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I was like, wow, I should have just studied here for two years instead and saved like, you know, a bunch of money, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you but didn't yeah, it, it took a while, I think to persuade them. I, but I didn't really talk to them when I applied. I kind of just applied because I didn't, I wasn't even sure if I was going to get in. I was right. like, if I get in, I'll just figure it out. So I, then I got in and I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm going. And, um, and I think the fact that I've been to Korea to really uh, help them to be okay with it mm-hmm. and um, the dorms and the security there was um, dorm and Korea was like really tight. So, and I think knowing that my parents were like a lot more assured cause you know, living by myself in a whole new country, you know, they were worried, but mm-hmm. um, that definitely helps them feel better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you mentioned, um, well, with, with Seoul, you didn't have to worry as much because you said you had scholarships and then also the cost of living was uh, cheaper. So yeah. it was less of a financial issue. But with, yeah. South, with oh, I almost said South Korea, South Africa, Cape Town, yeah. you said you kind of had to pay for everything yourself. Yeah. Um, like, do you have any uh, tips or advice for anyone looking to study abroad on how they can fund those types of experiences? Yeah, I think, um, I think yeah, for a lot of people studying abroad, is hard because of fi- financially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you look around, there is definitely a lot of money out there for people to study abroad. The scholarship that I did was uh, called Fulbright. Mm. And so I, I, that one I think is a essay application. Um, I was lucky SF State has one of our study abroad advisors. She used to work, I think for Fulbright. So she like kind of knew what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had her review my essay a lot. Um, and so I was able to get it. I was actually really lucky though with my Fulbright because I originally was gonna study abroad in Korea for one year. Um, that was my original goal. And then I got that email that uh, they didn't have my major anymore. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, well, what's the, I don't really wanna study. Well, yeah, so I, did, I and I and I was, a, I was already a junior. So I was thinking more of just graduating on on time so I actually uh, dropped my program down to one semester and then I emailed my Fulbright. I just gotten my scholarship money. They had it awarded me the full one year amount, which was 5,000. Mm. And I emailed them that I'm actually going for one semester. So um, I don't know if that changes anything. And they said, we'll let you know. And then um, a few weeks later, they emailed me back and they said um, that I can actually have my, my full amount. Wow. And I was like, oh my God. So I actually got one year's worth of scholarship money for my one semester. So I was really lucky. Yeah. And I was way more than I did. Um, to go abroad, yeah, and then I had my stipend too, um, oh, right. which, yeah. was enough, which was enough pocket money for me to, for for a month. Like 
every month the stipend that I got was enough for like pocket money. So that was uh, nice. Yeah. But then coming back financially, my financial habits after I came back because I had a lot of money that I originally planned to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like spending like I didn't think about it when I was in Korea. I just like spent my money, and then I came <laughs> back and then like I didn't have any more money like at all, and I I didn't have my job, mm-hmm. and so then the first um, few months going back was like a really rough transition like back to reality back to school back to like my work and my job yeah. and like <laughs> budgeting and everything it was it was tough yeah um so that was a shock i think which no one really prepared me for right. i didn't think transitioning back would be so hard um but um yeah That's so right. i would do it do it through there and then for cape town since i had i didn't have a scholarship um i knew in advance that i wanted to go so um, before I, when I was thinking about applying, I started saving money um, from work uh, set aside for when I do go. Mm-hmm. The program itself was about, with my plane ticket, uh, was about like 5,000-ish, 5,500. So I started saving a little bit here and there. Um, but I also lived at home too, so I didn't have to pay rent, which I think really helped. But for me, when I save money, I just like, I, phys- I physically take it out of my bank account, so I don't. Like, so I, when I look at my bank, I, I, I see the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I, like, if I mentally was keeping it in my bank, I, I don't think that would have worked. Like, I need to, like, physically take, take things out for me to, like, realize that, I, you know, I don't have that money to use. Mm. Um, when I do big stuff like that, I, I just take money out and I have, like, a space where I keep it um, separate from my, my debit card. Yeah, that's really so. good. I didn't know, because uh, I heard of Fulbright in terms of, like, the, what is it called? The teaching assistantship thing. I've heard of that. I didn't know that Fulbright gives scholarships for study abroad as well. Like non, uh, like if you're not a grad student or a teacher. Hmm. Or I'm confusing it. Fulbright, you're right. Fulbright is the graduate one. Okay. Um, there's another one. There's another one that I'm thinking about Fulbright because that, when I was telling you earlier about how I wanted to study abroad in Korea or teach English in Korea, I was originally going to do it through Fulbright. Oh, okay. but then I didn't. Um, that was my most my most recent thing that I applied to, what is it called then? Benjamin A something, I think was okay. called. Yeah. Okay. Named after someone. Okay. All right. We'll figure it out. I was just wondering. Uh- oh, Gilman. Gilman's Gil- going. Gilman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Benjamin so- A. Gilman. So it's the Gilman scholarship that uh, helped you be able to go to Korea. Yeah. For Okay. Gotcha. All right. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, that's a really good tip you mentioned about saving when you were saving for South Africa. It's like kind of making it so that money doesn't exist, even though it does. But like yeah. in your mind, looking at your bank account, it's like it doesn't. So you can't like spend it, you know, that's really yeah. good thinking. Yeah. Beyond financial advice, any tips or advice for someone who wants to study abroad or just someone who wants to travel more? Any sort of... Um, wisdom you'd like to share in that regard based on your own experiences? Oh, what I've learned is that a bunch of people, everyone has a different traveling style mm-hmm. um, and it might clash with you sometimes. So I think sometimes you have like really good friends and then you travel with them and then you learn, you learn that you have different traveling styles. So that's something that I never really thought about until I started like traveling with like um, different friends. Um, so it's interesting to like, before you plan a big trip, you know, with like a friend that you haven't traveled with before, it's good to ask like how they like, like how they like to do things. Um, for me, I'm like a very throw it out the window. Like I, I like to be prepared. If anything happens, like I, I know what I'm doing. 
But when I get there, it's go to flow. Um, okay. And then some people, then there's people who like, you know, they want to do this, this, and this. And then every day this, this, you know, and it's different. Um, so it depends on your style of, I think, traveling. And I think, um, what else? Um, I think just always like being mindful of your surroundings and learning like uh, the culture there or perhaps like looking up things, like looking up articles or things that are, like will tell you about um, like locals that you might not know. So like, for example, when I was in Korea and in Japan, um, uh, like when you walk in the subway, there's like designated directions. Mm -hmm. um, so like if you're, yeah, like if you're, if you're like on the elevator or escalator, if you're like walking, then you go on the left side, but if you're like just gonna stand, then you stay on the right side. So that way it creates a path for everyone who's like trying to go quickly. Mm -hmm. So there's like that thing, and I didn't know about it until I came there. So I had to quickly learn um, <laughs> to get out of the way. Yeah, to get out of the way. So things like that, I think, was was really useful mm -hmm. to me. And I try, you know, not to stand out or like I try not to. Um, not follow customs and local local customs and things like that. Or I try to follow local customs so that I don't stand out and be rude and whatnot. So um, gotcha. um I think that's important. So that's like the one of the first things I always look up is um how they like customs and social norms and things like that. So I can like try to blend in. Mm -hmm. Um learning a little bit of the language too really helps even if your um pronunciation is really bad. I've learned that it's a thought that counts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I always try to know like the basic phrases like how do i get to here and where's the bathroom and blah 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 or you know right things like that um yeah i think it helps okay yeah first time i think i don't know get out of your comfort zone it's <laughs> one of the, I think it's nice. if you're comfortable with, i think if you want to go slow you just like you know take a friend with you and then like spend a day or two to like be by yourself mm -hmm. i think it's really fun yeah, cool learning experience. Very uncomfortable, but very um, um, enriching. I think. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Is there anywhere uh, that's like at the top of your list in terms of places that you want to go in the future? Um, I want to travel Europe more. I've been in Asia a lot. Mm -hmm. um, now I want to visit. Uh, European countries because I've never really had the chance. And when I went to Cape Town, we actually had a layover um, in Amsterdam and then in Paris on the way back. Mm. And originally my layover was was like a five-hour layover. But that means I would have traveled for like 24 hours because it takes 12 hours to get to Europe and 12 hours from Europe to go down. Mm. So I was like, I'm not going to do a 24-hour plane ride. Like, that's horrible. Um, so I was able to do extended layovers where I was in Amsterdam for four days and Paris for two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and it was actually, it was still the same ticket price. So um, so I did that and I, I also, I would totally recommend doing that if you're able to like squeeze in as much countries as you can, like through long layovers. And if it's the same price, like, you know, it's paying for your buck. Um, but yeah, so I, so that was my first time being in Europe um, when I did my layover. So now I, I wanna travel, um, visit Europe more which is actually what I'm debating right now is for my spring break for work is coming up. So I was thinking if I should go to Copenhagen by myself um, or I might go to Hawaii with some friends. Mm -hmm. Still thinking. 
if I want to do a solo trip or not. <laughs> yeah. We have yeah. time to think. I'm sure wherever you choose to go, I'm sure you'll have a great time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, good, good. All right, well, uh, last question I have is, um, is there any way that people can reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so? Yeah, so um, I have an Instagram that I use a lot, um, and that's at A-H-O-A underscore abroad. And then I also have, um, well, I don't really use it, but I should. Um, I have a blog that I used when I was um, when I was in Korea I think or when I was in Cape Town for sure when I was in Cape Town I wrote in it like almost every day um, so it's like really detailed account of like me when I was in Cape Town and like mm -hmm. the stuff that was happening um, and then that year when I was traveling too um, I tried to do record my stuff because one of, one of the things I'm scared about is like losing my memory <laughs> so like I'm always writing things down I'm always taking pictures um, <laughs> But anyway, I have a blog that's also the same username, ahoaabroad.wordpress.com, I think is the website. Okay. It's linked on my Instagram. So, yeah, and people can follow me through there, me and my travel stuff when I do travel. Um, yeah. All right, nice. So either Instagram or your blog on WordPress. Yes. Okay. Cool, cool. All right, well, uh, thank you so much for um, – uh, taking time on a Sunday morning to talk to me. <laughs> it's been really nice learning. Um, well, I, I feel like I've learned a lot from you. I'm not really familiar with uh, like childhood development or anything like that. Like I know mm -hmm. teachers, but I don't know like the specifics as far, especially as far as like children go and development and that kind of stuff. So uh, I feel like I learned a lot from you and uh, yeah, I hope, I hope this has been enjoyable for you. I hope you had yeah. a good time. <laughs> I, love, I love talking about my travel abroad and and myself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I will let you go so you can enjoy the rest of your, your Sunday. I hope you have a great week. And um, thank you for sharing your time with me. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'll let you go, and I will talk to you later, okay? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Bye, Amy. Bye. <laughs>
But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.